0: Welcome to the next in a series of Ask a Chair podcasts brought to you by SAEM Rams.
1: Hi everyone, this is Vitas Coralias from Northwestern University and welcome to another edition of Ask a Chair with SAEM Rams. Today is a very special episode for me as we'll be talking to the chair of my department and chief medical officer of Northwestern, Dr. Jim Adams. Dr. Adams completed his emergency medicine residency at University of Pittsburgh in 1991, where he was chief resident. He then went on to complete a teaching fellowship at UT Southwestern in 1993. Dr. Adams is nationally recognized as an educator and a leader within the field of emergency medicine. As an educator, he's authored his own textbook in emergency medicine, titled Emergency Medicine Clinical Essentials. He's been a visiting professor, lecturer, and distinguished speaker at over 200 universities and national conferences. He has won numerous awards for his teaching across multiple institutions, including the Hal Jane Excellence in Education Award from SAEM, and he's offered 75 peer-reviewed manuscripts in education, healthcare quality, patient safety, and ED operations. He is an associate editor of Academic Emergency Medicine, the official journal of SAEM, and he sits on several national committees and holds numerous leadership positions across different organizations. He now resides as professor and chair of emergency medicine at Northwestern, as well as the senior vice president and chief medical officer of the Northwestern Memorial Healthcare Corporation. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Adams. Great to be here. Thanks. Yeah. So, we'll just get right to the questions, but there's a lot changing in kind of the medical world today. And uh, what do you think some of the greatest challenges in delivering emergency medicine
0: are today? Well, there is a lot changing, and that pace of change is not going to slow down. I'd say the greatest challenge depends on where you're looking. If you're looking at the broader society related to the emergency department, the emergency department's essential surveillance site for whatever problems are happening in society. And right now, we have crises with mental health services, crises with opioid addiction. That's what's showing up. And so those are some of the biggest challenges. In prior years, pediatric poisoning or motor vehicle traumas, those were the greatest priorities, and society focused and addressed them. And so the emergency department visits, I think rightfully, demand attention to where society needs to focus efforts. So that's the one of the greatest challenges. But there's also greatest challenges in healthcare financing and delivery. That might be your point of view. Or challenges within the emergency department workforce itself are we as a specialist training people that are able to confront those large societal challenges. So that's that's how I would frame it and part of the demands on us.
1: Awesome. So you're holding many different administrative roles all at once here, and there's many different paths into administrative roles, which can sometimes be difficult to navigate. Can you tell us about some of the roles that you've held and how your career kind of prepared you for a role as chair and chief medical officer? Did you always see yourself as having this as a career goal or did it kind of did you find yourself in this role kind of serendipitously?
0: Well, we're all products of our time and place. When I was in residency, I wanted an academic residency and went to the University of Pittsburgh and was thrilled to be there. I had an Air Force commitment. It was at Wilford Hall Medical Center in San Antonio, the Joint Military Medical Command, and that was the the center of academics in academic training in the military. So I was very happy, happy to be selected there. But at that time, the pioneers of emergency medicine had gone, but the specialty now needed sophistication. Sophistication in education, sophisticated in operation, sophistication in research. I saw that need. When I was a resident, I wanted to be part of that change. It was what was very compelling and interesting in the specialty in addition to the clinical care. So while I did a lot of clinical care, I took on a lot of administrative work in the military and what the military does is train they train 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 i didn't get paid extra to do the administrative work but i got a lot out of it and a few years in i was named chair of the department and then when my commitment was up harvard as and this is now the 90s the harvard yale penn all the great academics wanted emergency medicine at that time i went up to boston ron wallace had recently arrived to be head of emergency medicine I was medical director and then vice chair and helped put emergency medicine into the Harvard teaching hospitals. Harvard wasn't convinced that emergency medicine was sophisticated enough really until, until the mid to late 90s. And we still had a burden to convince them. But we did that. And then I was vice chair there, very happily settled, but then came to Northwestern where the dean of the medical school, who was formerly a research endocrinologist in the Harvard system said, we need to upgrade the sophistication at Northwest. Came here, made it an academic department. As department chair, as was part of the faculty practice plan. Took a leadership role there in the faculty practice plan, Ultimately, in 2013, named system chief medical officer. So from the point of residency graduation in 1991, now almost 30 years, it was one change after the other, and that's how my career grew. So we're all products of our time and place. I had the interest and the aptitude, and I enjoyed the journey, most of all the clinical work in the emergency department, but then also making the systems what they needed to be.
1: Awesome. A lot of our listeners are residents and medical students, and I'd like to hear a little bit about what do you look for in a new faculty hire for some of our residents who will be looking for jobs in the upcoming year? What are some of the do's and don'ts of interviewing, and what is it that you look for personally?
0: So first, if anybody that's in medical school automatically admire, like, respect, you got, you got to win. So just relax. That's the first thing is I think I, would, I want somebody who knows themselves. Everybody that's in medical school knows they had to be competitive and they had to be eager to please and they had to project well. And that's all true. But what I want to know is who are they? What is their interest? What's their aptitude's? it success is not finite there's an infinite number of ways to be successful as a medical student i want them to find the ways that they're going to be happy contributing wake up every day energized about the career that they have and there's no right or wrong or good or bad it's not my path it's not your path it needs to be there so at first who are, i want them to know themselves i want them to know what they're interested in and not some false notion of ambition. There is no there. It's all great. A research path, an education path, a clinician doing great. One of the brightest people I ever met, Northwestern medical student. He said, Dr. Adams, I want to go in emergency medicine training. I want to go live in the suburbs. I want to coach my little leagues baseball. And that's what he's doing today. And he's a stalwart member of the community and really impactful for all the patients he serves, the hospital he works in, the community that he serves. He's a great leader. There is, it's all great. Know themselves. We can help dialogue about the the opportunities that then exist and don't try to force themselves in a path. That's what I look for.
1: That's fantastic advice. Thank you. You've done also a substantial amount of work in healthcare quality and safety, as well as ED operations. What are your thoughts on quality metrics and the way that they are chosen and developed? And what are are your thoughts about
0: those? Yeah, so... I started when there were no quality metrics, and the quality was somebody would review the charts the next morning to see what errors happened overnight. That was how we did quality. <laughs> we would gather all the residence charts from the overnight, review them, and then decide what was good and what was bad. And as you can imagine, that wasn't the best way to do quality. So we said, well, we need to be a little prospective about this stuff start to design systems. And so we started to design systems. We needed some measure of the system. We chose a path, whether it was cardiac or stroke or pediatric care. We started just clinical paths and protocols, how to use testing, who got pregnancy tests and who didn't, who got D-dimers and who didn't. We should have some structured way of thinking about that, expanded the use of pregnancy tests, expanded the use of EKGs. And so that was the very earliest ways we started to view quality. We're still in a process of maturation, frankly, but we have to start to say, where's the opportunity? Where's the problem? What's the problem? Let's get a plan to fix the problem. Part of that plan to fix the problem demands measures. Let's measure it. Let's put a system and improve it. Everybody's part of the solution. It should feel good as part of the solution. Everybody in. We improve, move on to the next. What's the problem? What's the plan? The measures, and let's. Pull together as one team and solve. Good measures bring people together. Good quality metrics bring multidisciplinary teams together and to do better for the patient. So where we're at now, it's where we will be one, two, three, four, five years from now, but it's a lot better than where we were five or ten years ago.
1: So burnout and early retirement is a hot topic within emergency medicine, and there's been a lot of focus on wellness recently. What are some of your strategies that you've used to combat this in the past? And then what can residents and medical students do now to avoid this in their
0: futures? So remember when I just recently said you have to know yourself? That's part of that. That's the first step on this journey. And part of knowing yourself is knowing also having the self-awareness when you're tired and you're starting to get cranky. And when we do that, we start externalizing. We start blaming and complaining and the world is wrong and my spouse is wrong or my girlfriends are like there's something else wrong outside that needs to fix to make me happy. That's not true. We need to fix inside ourselves first. And so that self-awareness that I'm getting unhappy, then we need to reflect. So if a good vacation doesn't fix your unhappiness, it's something really deep and structural. If a good vacation does fix your happiness, you're overworked and burnt out right? So that's the difference between burnout and depression is a good vacation will help burnout. Depression won't be fixed by a good vacation and you need professional help. So if what I would say is know yourself, feel the cues that you're experiencing, and then have the mentors, professional help, support systems to know. Now with that basis, We're emergency physicians. We like variety. I know people who have thrived throughout forty years of just clinical practice. Just clinical practice, forty years. A couple years ago, there was a sixty-eight-year-old physician, and we're at some event, and we were talking, and he said he works twenty shifts per month, including his share of night overnights, and he's happy, and he's at peace, and he's not was not in a really slow department. It wasn't a Crazy busy department, but 20 shifts for he's 68, he's completely happy, he's in his groove, he's in his element, it is just great for him. Not great for me. So, you have to find what's great for you. Clinical practice is the highest order, administrative stuff is overhead that supports clinical practice. So, the highest ideals of the is the service to the patient, and the highest ideals of service to the patient can be through training the next generation. Great, if you like education. Through research, remember those big societal problems that we must confront, that emergency medicine has a ringside seat right in the middle. It's right in the heart of what we do. We have to be partners in observing, understanding, and solving these larger societal problems. So research, education, or administration, if you have the aptitude, or something beyond emergency medicine. So know yourself, know where your groove is gonna be, how much clinical, how much something else, find your aptitude and interest and start to call on mentors to slowly develop. It'll it'll happen. It's just it's a slow journey. But you every year you wanna accomplish something. Every year you wanna be a little better than the year before. And that doesn't end with the end of residency. That's your whole life.
1: Sounds like that. Uh... That one colleague of yours, just doing what you love can make for a
0: great and long career as well, if that's what you want to do. It can, but it's not for everybody. He is not burned out, but other people burn out really fast and step back, know yourself, find the right mentorship to guide on that next step. Fantastic.
1: Do you have any other advice for our, or wisdom for our listeners?
0: So healthcare today is... One of the more interesting times for me, emergency medicine is a strong, well-regarded specialty. Every four or five-year increment of my career, I could always see where we were going, how five years from now, we were going to be stronger in these specific ways, clinical ways, educational ways, research ways. If I look five years out, I see the emergence of really, truly top-tier researchers, best in industry, world-class researchers. So proud of that. Education. We've got really strong educational programs. Five years from now, there'll be incremental change. You know, a little more. But will it be transformational? I don't know. Research. I still see exponential growth and transformational change. The education's very strong, but based on that strength, like, is there another step function? Is it is it exponentially strengthening? I don't know. So if you think deeply if you're headed toward education, because I think the opportunities are there. But I don't know the, uh, if we're on a path or a need. And then administratively, boy, that's where the needs are. The emergency departments, care system, hospitals are operating. Dramatic needs for efficiency. Those dramatic needs for efficiency. We're going to land with technology. Hospitals at home, telemedicine. How does that play in emergency medicine? So we're at moments of continued transformation, which is wonderful, and we should all be part of it in the way that we want to be part of it. But we're going to need the people listening to lead to a great degree.
1: Did the recent kind of COVID pandemic expose anything to you from an administrative side as some glaring holes or some glaring needs both within the
0: healthcare system as a whole, as well as within emergency medicine? So two things, one broadly from my chief medical officer role in January of 2020, there was pockets of use of telemedicine but the office-based clinicians, you couldn't force them onto telemedicine mostly. And then by April, they're like, I love telemedicine. I can get rid of it. I think I can do my whole career on telemedicine. <laughs> so I'm like, no, you can't do your whole career in telemedicine. You actually have to come to the hospital every now and then. So I think that it did show the emergence of real opportunity. Um, patients do like face-to-face when it's safe, but we like to get, patients really do like to get the incremental things, the checkups, the post-op visits, the pre-op visits done by telemedicine. So it will land in. I think that in emergency medicine, the speed that we could get things stood up and changed and protocols was absolutely impressive. And the integration with emergency medicine, with communities and hospitals, we all knew, but that really surged forward as well. So the question is, what what takeaways will we have from it? And I think that we've got to figure out our tele-strategy and our data and analytics strategy so, so we can be far more proactive. And that's not been, there's great single sites in in emergency medicine, but it's not well worked out across the industry.
1: Gosh, thank you so much, Dr. Adams, for taking the time to speak with us and kind of share your advice and wisdom. To recap for our audience, we had a pretty great discussion today. We talked about some of the greatest challenges in delivering emergency care today. We talked about its high pace and how it's not going to be slowing down anytime soon, but also kind of talked about how emergency medicine is unique in that it's in a way essentially the surveillance site for problems in society. And whether that be addiction, mental health, or the ongoing pandemic that we have, one of the biggest challenges that we might see is emergency medicine's role in determining where society needs to focus its efforts. We also talked about, uh, Dr. Adams, your own path and administrative role as chair and chief medical officer. And you mentioned kind of that we're all a product of our place and time. And in your experience, when a new role presented itself, taking that and then taking on the, the challenge or the hurdle that was bestowed upon you head on kind of led to fruitful next steps and a really successful career. We talked a little bit about quality and safety uh, and the importance of metrics in that. You discussed how quality has come a long way since emergency medicine's infancy and reviewing paper charts the night before, but that it's important to have systems in place and structured ways of looking at quality and safety. You mentioned the importance of measurement And that, you know, not only is it important to very carefully articulate what the problem is, but figuring out what are the right measures both to assess that problem and assess the interventions that you've put in place to address that problem. Uh, When our conversation kind of went more interpersonal and we talked about what you're looking for in a new faculty hire or a new resident, uh, I thought it was really interesting that you discuss the importance of focusing less on what you think other people want from you, but instead knowing yourself, knowing what you want and finding your own passion and path in medicine. And I thought that was really interesting. And then in a way you kind of expanded upon that when we talked about burnout and early retirement and emergency medicine and mentioning how knowing yourself and finding your passions and finding what you love is really going to help you kind of have an enjoyable and fulfilling career in medicine you also talked about the importance of being self-aware when it comes to burnout and wellness and that kind of when you start to see yourself externalizing everything and thinking the problem lies everywhere but yourself you need to really reflect and understand it's probably you that's unhappy and start to ask what you need to do to address that which i thought was really great advice Again, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us,
0: Dr. Adams. This has been great, and uh, I'm sure our our listeners will enjoy it. Thanks. Well, I think this is one of the most exciting specialties. There's enormous challenges, so anybody who wants to step up and, and be a leader, we really need, and anybody who's working in the emergency department, we greatly admire. It's one of the most important, most difficult, most challenging, and most rewarding jobs there is. Thank you.